opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. This is another special episode of Housing Wire Daily focused on the Sitzer Burnett class action trial in Kansas City this week. I'm talking to managing editor James Kleiman about the cross-examination today of key witnesses, including Bob Goldberg, the CEO of NAR. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HousingWire, with Melinda Wilner, Chief Operating Officer at UWM. Melinda, what types of products and enhancements has UWM rolled out this year to help set brokers up for success? It's been a big year for us of rolling out product updates and some enhancements to our tools. Um, Our whole goal always is to make the broker succeed in whatever cycle is around. So we uh, we do everything we can to focus on the broker experience and really importantly, focus on the borrower experience. So a few of the things we've done this year, um, Safe Check Complete uh, has been a a recent rollout for us. Our 1% down program has been an absolute hit to really help in that affordable space and to help people get into homes who couldn't otherwise do so. Uh, We've had some great product expansions with our uh, bank statement program as well as our jumbo program to allow more flexibility and uh, to fit more borrowers into there. So it's really been a great year. We've done a lot of great things that we're really happy about, really proud of. A lot of robust products and listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. James, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. You have been sitting in the courtroom in uh, Kansas City at this Sitzer Burnett trial. And uh, today, apparently we we talked yesterday and we thought it would be a a more dramatic day because we had a cross-examination. What happened today? Yeah, I I mean, like, absolutely no doubt about it. There was quite a bit more drama today. We'll we'll get into all the highlights. Uh, But I wanted to start with Bob Goldberg. He is, of course, the CEO of the National Association of Realtors. And he did wrap up his testimony today. And, and there was quite a bit of sparring with the plaintiff's attorney, Michael Ketchmark. So it, really, Michael Ketchmark wanted to establish that the rule itself, uh, clear cooperation policy, participation rule, is itself the conspiracy. And that it's the corporate defendants that follow and enforce the rule. And that essentially the effect of this is that it is inflated commissions or at least kept them high or whatever, but it is, it is, uh, you know, uh, effectively harmed consumers, particularly sellers in this case, in the state of Missouri. Now, obviously Bob Goldberg disagrees with that. Uh, but, but really to up the tempo. And I, I think to capture the attention of the jury, Ketchmark used a, an analogy to kind of, you know, make this argument that uh, these Companies and the trade group have effectively conspired to artificially raise commissions. And so he talks about grocery store chicken. And and what he says is if it's expensive because a chicken trade group sets a rule that all the chicken producers, in this example, you know, the, the brokerage defendants, right? And they all in turn hike the price over what the free market would otherwise bear for that chicken, it is, you know, henceforth, it is an antitrust issue. It is illegal in, in the eyes of the U.S. government. 
and and it should stop, right? That is a bad practice. Now, Bob Goldberg does not like the analogy. He says it doesn't fit whatsoever. The difference, the, the primary difference, of course, being that the members of the NAR are selling services. They're not selling chicken, right? It is not a good it is services, and, and that is a lot more complex. There, there's a lot more that goes into it. It is not simply a commodity that one picks up and says, okay, I'm going to put this in my cart and then go home, even if I feel like I overpaid for my chicken, right? They're totally, totally different things. Uh, so so that was really, I, I think, kind of a light moment, and and it led to some pretty funny exchanges between uh, Goldberg and Ketchmark. Uh, but we also talked a lot yesterday about how the NAR, in its defense, took great pains to establish that it, it doesn't really talk about commissions. You know, it isn't offering guidance, it isn't offering advice, and and that it is very clear that it is the local operators that are making decisions about commissions, and it is not trying to influence them. It is not trying to give them, uh, you know, advice or, you know, requiring them to behave in a certain way. Uh, and so I, I think that really appropriately leads into, um, you know, the second witness and, and his name is Rodney Gancho and uh, Rodney Gancho is, I believe his title is the head of member services, director of member services at the NAR. And he's been at the organization for, I believe it was 31 years and he's risen you know, he's been there for quite some time and he's really, he's their policy guy. He knows a lot about the NAR's Byzantine governance system, uh, the various committees, how policy comes together, the executive board, the composition of, you know, study groups and focus groups and, you know, uh, essentially how, how the cake is baked, right? And so... Remember that that we already <laughs> established that the NAR does not the NAR claims that it does not really involve itself in commissions that these are local discussions, um, you know, among agents and and brokers, and that is not something that they get in the middle of, and and the same for the corporate defendants as well that they're allowing their franchises that they're allowing you know the boots on the ground so to speak and. Um, local associations to make rules and determinations regarding commission. It is not them, right? So it's somebody else and somebody further down. And um, in, in this case, so Ketchmark brings up several instances in which the NAR did discuss commissions. Um, and of course, Goldberg and uh, Gancho believe that he has mischaracterized their arguments and that, you know, there are a bunch of gotcha moments and they're taking things out of context because the NAR at its core really doesn't do this kind of work. It, you may remember from our conversation yesterday, it doesn't even track commissions. It doesn't study them. It does not have, uh, you know, quite a bit of, uh, involvement in, in how those determinations are made. And so Ketchmark brings up, uh, what is internally referenced at the NAR is the danger report which a third party firm conducted on behalf of NAR and, and um, you know, was published by the NAR and sent to its 1.5 million or so members. And the report essentially goes into detail saying that commissions across the globe 
have been falling. And in, in the view of the plaintiffs, you know, this was portrayed to the members of the NARs as a bad thing, right? You know, they, they want to get higher commissions, largely speaking, right? And Goldberg does acknowledge that he's familiar with the report, but he insists that when he testified on Monday and said that the commission discussions are considered taboo, he meant that they don't train their agents to set commissions or what the rates should be. They acknowledge that commissions are a part of compensation and that that is just factual, right? Like that there's no admission that they have conspired, that they have, you know, by publishing such material, made a determination or just try to influence members as to what they should be setting their commissions at. Um, so I, I thought that part was pretty interesting. And regarding Gancho's testimony, you know, he's he's their top policy guy. He's somebody who knows the particulars about governance and the associations and the MLS, the MLSs, I should say, you know, there are 500 of them and, and just the, this myriad of rules that um, really govern um, this, what I believe to be a, a very, very bureaucratic system. And so he does importantly mention that the clear cooperation policy in the NRR's view is fundamentally different than the cooperative compensation model, which, you know, generally governs that a, a buyer agent uh, is entitled to compensation. And I think the most interesting part of his testimony is that he centered on the NAR MLS handbook and how it functions as, as sort of like a, like a model that the local realtor associations then use to adopt their own rules. Um, now, these associations do not have to adopt the NAR rules. But if they do choose not to, um, they would jeopardize their errors and omissions insurance policy. And, and so Ketchmark seizes on this, right? He says, uh, you know, we found this email exchange that you had uh, a couple years back with Mitch Skinner, who represents the Council of Multiple Listing Services. And, and in this email, Skinner says an association is looking for guidance about whether it wants to follow a particular NAR rule. And Gancho said, if the rule is not followed, the errors and omissions insurance would be gone after 60 days. And he also said that the continued failure to adopt the mandatory rules could lead to charter revocation for the local association that owns and operates the MLS, and that that local association could also remove officers from the MLS because they have effective control of the MLS. Uh, and, and so, you know, this is a very significant, um, you know, uh, to me, at least as an observer in the court, this reads to me like a very significant exchange in which, you know, uh, the plaintiffs are arguing, look, you're exerting control. You are telling these associations, sure, yeah, you don't have to follow all the rules, but if you don't, we are absolutely going to, you know, run roughshed and, and we're going to make this, you know, potentially very, very painful for you. And if the associations do leave, um, you know, or rather do not adopt these rules, you know, they don't get the support, the direct support of the organization, uh, you know, and, and their members could be replaced, you know, in, in some cases, right? And so the plaintiffs, Michael Ketchmark, is, is essentially saying, look, 
it's all carrot. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's all stick. You know, there's no real carrot here. And and, and the reason that they don't, um, you know, break off and, and just, you know, follow their own rules that are not uh, considered mandatory is because the, the threat is so extreme that there's no reason that they would ever choose uh, to do so. And, and, you know, in, in rebuttal, the, the witness, Roddy Gancho says, it's never, ever gotten to that place. We've never even gotten past the, what if you lose the errors and omissions insurance policy, which he also says is very affordable. If you're an MLS association and you want to get your own, you don't want to use the NARs, like you can totally do that. Right. And so um, he, he is arguing that that is not in fact the case, that these are local associations. They make their own rules. They may adopt some, they may not adopt others. There are some independent non-realtor affiliated, uh, you know, independent MLSs that model some of their rules after the NAR because they're sensible. They're good policies, right? They're just good for business. Um, but there are probably 150 of them, maybe 50 to 150 maybe, uh, that exist and don't follow a lot of the NAR rules. So, you know, th- these are pretty complicated issues, but um, very, very important distinctions. Well, and to me, that whole argument of like, well, we've never even gotten to that part. It's like, well, doesn't that just mean that it's a really effective deterrent so that you've never had to get to that part? Because people are like, well, if I'm going to lose my insurance or I'm going to lose access to the MLS or I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I wasn't there. Right. But that doesn't seem like that's a a wholly um, convincing argument that he's trying to make there. Yeah. I I mean, I'm, I'm no legal scholar, but I... I felt like that was a significant moment for the plaintiffs. And, um, you know, they, they did want to use this as, as kind of a jumping off point to, to show that the NAR is not just some, you know, a helpful trade group that is fully in the background, that is not actively involved in creating policies that they know uh, these, you know, associations, 500 of which um, control MLSs that are, the lifeblood of the real estate ecosystem, um, you know, they're, they're not just passengers here, right? They're, they're effectively creating deterrent policies that are so extreme that nobody or very few, um, you know, choose not to adopt them. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire, with Ryan Marshall, CEO and founder of Equity Protect, to talk about a very specific and growing kind of fraud risk. Ryan, who is really at risk of deed fraud? So that's a great question. I think we should first state that the people who are not at risk are people that just recently acquired their properties, people that have loans on their properties, often high loan amounts, high loan to values on their properties. Um, Those are people who I would consider as very low risk and people that should probably not consider our service as a service. So as of November of 2022, we've identified 83 million parcels across the nation, which is roughly 54% of the total parcels in the entire country who we've deemed as vulnerable. Uh, These parcels are specifically ones that don't have mortgages, parcels where they're non-owner occupied, properties where the mailing address isn't associated with the site address, um, and they're in some type of vacation area or vacation property area where 
lawful homeowners wouldn't necessarily know if an appraiser showed up or if somebody just drove by your property and and did a quick appraisal on it. Thanks, Ryan. Listeners, you can find out more information at equityprotect.com. So I know um, we were talking before we started recording that there was some more drama today. In addition to all of that, there was some more drama where um, a video was played. Tell me what happened there. Yeah. So uh, Ron Peltier, he's the founder of Home Services of America. He appeared for live testimony and he made a comment about how he was honored uh, that, that when Warren Buffett acquired his company, that Buffett would allow the real estate entity, Home Services of America, uh, to use the Berkshire Hathaway name. And, and that to him, you know, that, that signified that they have to act with the utmost integrity, sincerity, class. They're, you know, good citizens. They are um, a cut above that they, you know, cannot be, um, you know, misbehaving. They, they have to be good stewards, right? They have to honor the brand. And, um, you know, reputation is, is kind of famously paramount for uh, Warren Buffett and for the companies. And so if they lose their reputation, it would be extraordinarily damaging. And so they, they always act in turn, uh, you know, with, with the utmost respect, right? And so then a video was played. It is a podcast discussion between Alan Dalton, who is an executive at Home Services of America, and Tom Ferry, who many of our listeners probably know, is a, a pretty famous real estate coach and trainer. He has a bunch of his own media. He, he's worked on real trends in, in some of the rankings. You know, he's, he's a very, very notable figure in real estate. And, and so they're on this podcast. It's, it's like a 50 something minute podcast a couple years back. And Dalton is, is talking about how he doesn't lower his commissions or he didn't when he was actively selling real estate. And he tells a story about when he was, I believe, the president uh, at, at a brokerage some years back. An agent comes in and says, you know, I've got this client who wants me to basically give up like $10,000 and let's discuss. And she tells him that this is basically the script. And, and let, me, let me pull this up because uh, there are a lot of profanities in this script. And so I'm going to quote it as best I can. There's no bleeping, bleeping way. I'm going to cut my bleeping, bleeping commission. What do you think I am? A hooker giving bleeping, bleeping to sailors. If you think I'm going to cut my bleeping, bleeping commission, you can take this home and shove it up your bleeping, bleeping. And I know that it will fit. And uh, <laughs> I mean, if, if you saw the look, on the faces of the, the members of the jury, it was like, holy crap, what what did I just watch? And and you know, it's it's a very simple point that So just to be clear, that's that wasn't a video of the person who was testifying, it was somebody in his company. So yes. So this was an executive at the company. He was the chairman, and then I think at the time that the conversation between Tom Ferry and Alan Dalton took place. He may have been the uh, chairman emeritus or maybe the executive chairman. I don't know exactly what 
um, his his title was at the time that this conversation between the executive and Tom Ferry took place. But uh, Ron Peltier was, you know, a, a top, top executive at Home Services of America. And this was another executive from Home Services who's on the Tom Ferry podcast, who is making representations of him being at Berkshire or at Home Services of America, rather, and and saying, you know, this is a discussion that I had with an agent and he is portraying it as um, my interpretation was as a positive that you should be confident that you should tell, uh, you know, clients that you are, you are worth it and uh, that you don't cut your commission because you're a professional and, and the story itself that he recited or recounted, I don't know. I, I assume it's a true story um, was, I, I don't think it was a very good look for uh, Home Services of America or this notion that they behave with the utmost integrity at every moment. Now, when this testimony wraps up and Gino Blafari um, also testified for the defense for BHHS today and um, he'll have cross-examination tomorrow, when, uh, you know, all of this wrapped up, the jury is excused. They go home for the evening. Uh, the attorney for Home Services of America strenuously objected that this video was played. And, uh, you know, a, a number of other defense um, attorneys were also upset about it. They felt it was highly prejudicial, that procedurally it should not have been played. And it may be stricken from the record tomorrow. So the judge, uh, Judge Bo, is going to make a determination tomorrow, tomorrow morning, whether the jury will end up, uh, you know, getting to use this. It just, just in terms of how, you know, the, the central core arguments of the case is about, you know, Rule 7.23, this doesn't really address a lot of that, I, I think, like head on, but it, it very clearly damages the defense in in their argument that they are always good actors, that they are, you know, doing the right thing, that they do negotiate commissions, that, um, you know, the executives do not tell their, um, you know, their agents, people closer to the ground, actually transacting, you know, how to set commissions, whatever, uh, you know, that, that is that is central to the argument of the defense, that they, they don't get involved, that these are, you know, decisions between kind of local brokerages, affiliates, you know, franchises, right, or even um, kind of owned brokerages. But but way up top, they, they don't tell them, you know, what, what these independent contractors should be setting commissions at, and, and they don't really give advice or suggestions. Um, but when these conversations do come up, uh, you know, some of the evidence that has been presented, um, I, I don't think reflects well on, on um, you know, some of the some of the companies that are named as defendants. Well, um, your prediction that today would be uh, more interesting than the first day that you were there on Monday uh, seems true. What What's on tap for tomorrow? So we are going to have cross-examination of Gina Blafari who is uh, the CEO of Home Services. And uh, yeah, beyond that, 
I don't quite know yet, but we, we probably have at least another week of testimony of, of work and best guess is it's probably going to wrap up around November 3rd, maybe November 6th. We'll have some sort of a ruling and, uh, yeah, it should be a pretty action-packed week when you get here next week. Well, thank you so much for um, sitting there taking notes and filling us all in on, on what happened. And really appreciate it, James. And we will talk to you again tomorrow night. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.